Welcome beautiful people to the Don't Panic podcast. This is a podcast that takes you on a journey through the eyes of the creatives here in Scotland. Join me, Lucy, as I sit down with friends, family, creatives and industry professionals to discuss the complexities of being a creative person living right here in Scotland. From childhood to adulthood, career to personal passions and current events to mental health, We'll be diving deep into the ups and downs of being a Scottish creative with plenty of laughs and inspiration along the way. So sit back, relax, learn and relate as we explore all aspects of Scottish life, one conversation at a time. Okay, I'm going to do a little introduction, so bear with me. Well, I introduce you. Go on. <laughs> hey there podcast pals get ready to meet someone very close to me on today's episode of don't panic i'm thrilled to introduce to your next guest the fabulous kitty based out in trenent kitty is a relatively new on the scene tattoo artist with an infectious love for animals and a knack for bringing them to life through ink but kitty's artistic journey didn't start with tattoos it all began back in their uni days at the University of Aberdeen where they delved into the world of textiles and after graduating, we even co-founded a sustainable fashion brand together called Studio 5. So buckle up boys and prepare for a light-hearted and fun-filled chat with Kitty. We'll get the inside scoop on their creative process and maybe even uncover a few wild tattoo tales along the way. So thanks Kit for joining me. Hiya, thanks for having me. That was like an introduction. I know, I'm you trying. On that one. I'm trying, I'm trying. Did your homework. So how are you? I am well, how are you? I'm fine. Is this the first podcast you've ever done? No, I, would, I did one with you, don't you remember? Oh God, yeah, yes, so we yeah, did. We did. <laughs> that, I think... girl's house. Um, I can't even remember her name, sorry. No. Um, it was ages ago, it was ages ago, but this feels a lot more comfortable. I feel like I'm not yeah. having such a bag in. We were quite young at the time, little babies, babies. which we will get into a little bit more. But start off the podcast with a life mantra. What do you mean, what is that? Yes, a mantra. So like something, so I explained it in, in the podcast with Leo, but don't panic is based on my life mantra which is based on Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And um, and it's something that I say to myself when I'm feeling anxious or panicked or whatever. And I'll like sing the little theme tune and it'll make me feel a bit better. But obviously I've got a tattoo on me, which you did. I did. I've got my Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. I went to saw Douglas Adams' grave. How do you feel about that? When? In London, I didn't even realise it was his. And I flipped. I, I had a full-on fangirl moment when I, I realised, oh, getting chills thinking about it. I love him. Yeah, Our that's hero. pretty epic. It was. So, yeah, a life mantra is something that you, you say to yourself, help you get to, to somewhere else in your head. Like Okay, so you're wanting to know what mine is. If you have one. I don't know. It's if okay it's, if you um, don't have no, no, one. I do have I I don't really have a mantra where I'm like, this is it. I wake up in the morning and um like oh God, what do I like, yes. <laughs> yeah, what do I say? It's like a, I I have a I I wake up and I lie in bed and I'm like, what's my plan of action? And I give a look give myself a little plan of action, my notes on what I'm gonna do and then everything is my day is just my plan of action. I'm just like my plan of action, plan of action. And that's so you just I'll, construct your day in your I head. Construct when you my wake day up. in my head, yeah, and be like, This is what I've got to do, A, B, C. If I do them all, great. If I don't, fine. But I have to like really be like, I plan this, let's have a coffee. 
I'm going to get up and I'm going to watch TV. It's, it's really, it can be quite mundane. That's like, fine, just keeping yourself you. in yeah. check. I think that's a good way to plan, yes. which is good to do. I just, I need a checklist. I need to. Fair. I need to just, that's how I get about my day. Yeah. 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 I found your bio, not your bio, your form. I didn't quite understand entertaining. It. I didn't understand. You were like, bio was like... I know. Yeah. I wrote in a guest form where I get the guest to fill out a little bit of information about themselves. I write bio, which is a little description about themselves. Oh, is that what that was saying? And Kitty like, just wrote, Kitty just wrote, what? Question mark. <laughs> I feel like um, that kind of sums me up. Which, yeah, it, definitely. actually two question marks, one at the start, and yeah. one at the end. You also spelt what wrong. I did. I, yeah. Was that intentional? Though? Might have been. Yeah. It was just the bio kind of helps with the writing of the <laughs> intros and stuff. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> write but that. it's fine. My brain doesn't understand. It's all things good. Things like that, I'm afraid. It's all good. Um, we're going to take it right back okay. to childhood. Ooh, you were there. I was there, and it was the same with Leo. <laughs> it was the same with Leo. I was also there. But there'll be things that I don't know about. Ooh, and you can uh, learn some things. Yeah. Growing up, when did you realise that you were an artistic person? Ooh. So it was in primary. I think we were drawing. And I remember looking at the teacher's face, and I could see the indent in her, like, you know, this bit here, where, like, the eye goes in and you see the cheekbone yeah. and I was looking at that and I was like that's there no one else knows that's there why is no one else known I would say what do you mean it. nobody knows it's there just no everyone would draw a face like a big oh, circle right. a big oval and I was like nah man there's a shape there and I was like <laughs> tucking that in I thought it was like I was like I thought I'd an artiste yeah I was like I've unlocked something here I can see that and no one else sees this but me <laughs> and that was like at the start and then I got given how old uh, were you oh I would have been I think primary one or two, I okay. noticed the dent. I'm gonna call it the dent. The dent. <laughs> but then I was we and we had golden time. I don't know. Oh my god! I don't know if our listeners had golden. God, time. flashback I to know, golden time. I was like, that just unlocked a memory. <laughs> I I never got a lot of golden time because I never did my homework. But um, <laughs> when I did get golden time, I had this. It was I don't even know what it was. It was like it was like a National Geographic, but it was like a folder. So I had like metal clips in it, mm. and I had like pictures of animals. And I would draw the animals and I would actually write our names at the bottom of them. So I was like, this is Lucy, this yeah. is Leo, this is Mum. It'd be bulls, like, <laughs> just rats. And family just of rats. A family of rats. And then I would be like, this is this person. And I would draw them and I was like, this is spot on. I thought I was like nailing it. And I actually <laughs> found them quite recently. They're all like pretty good for that age, but they're a bit whiffy. So you yeah. would have been what, five, six? No, I would have been older, maybe seven or eight. At this point, okay, um, but I was like, I'm nailing this, yeah. I could feel my, I was feeling my oats. Feeling those creative juices flowing. Yeah, absolutely. What inspired you at that young age? I think for the animals, but I think mum and dad were really, like, they would just give us, like, we had the big easels. Yeah. And I think we were just drawn. I think I like to copy, like, what other people had drawn and just, like, reference the kind of things. And yeah. Um, we had some really cool like fairy books and stuff, which was yeah, like it was, it was more like things. yeah, it's like drawing pictures from books, um, like which, your references. Yeah, so I just started <clears throat> clicking on to that. Um, it's interesting because Leo was saying that they got their references from watching cartoons. 
Yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. For Which men. makes sense for yeah. Leo, and then it makes sense for you that you used like books, yeah, and pictures. It's funny because I don't read, but <laughs> picture books, <laughs> picture books. That was, that was my go-to. But yeah, because Leo, when Leo started doing their comic books, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be the best comic book writer in this house, and I started doing them too. <laughs> And I just gave up. I couldn't do it. I was just like, I wasn't like the storyboarding and the. I had no. It's a lot of work. I had, uh, yeah, I was like, I can't be arsed. Yeah. There was, uh, yeah, I can't be arsed. But I remember theirs. So when you were at school, because you were interested in the artistic side of things, did that mean that you had struggles with the academic side of things? And was that supported by your teachers? I think that, like, People, Chase, Chase is featured on the podcast. Darling, I think he needs a sit down. He needs a cuddle. He's having a moment. He's looking very noble. Um, Yeah, so like with school, I think like all of my teachers knew I was a bit of a fanny, right? I wasn't, I was just very... I wouldn't say fanny, I'd say dyslexic. Dyslexic. I'll say say about my dyslexia what I want to say about my dyslexia. Fair. And um, (laughs) they... um, I was really heavy dyslexic and art was like the only kind of thing I really had and I would just draw off my notebooks and stuff like that and I think they they tried me with the academic stuff like that but they like knew I didn't really have a problem with art so they just let me get on with yeah but then I had to really work hard on the academic stuff yeah so I was pushed harder on academics to actually pass. Yeah. Which I did. Yeah, well I did, done. I did well. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but so they were just... I don't know if that makes any sense. I don't know if that really answers your question. Yeah. But yeah, I was more pushed with the academics because... But purely because you just needed to get those grades. I needed to get the <laughs> grades. Yeah, I needed to get out. <laughs> but they were supporting you in regards to your art. Like you were allowed to... I think express, so. Like I, expressive I think, that. I think so. Like they were always like, you're, you're too quick and you're too this, you're too that. Or what do you mean? I just drew very quickly and I'd be finished before we'd even started, and they'd be like, "You need to stop this." So I'd sit and bring loads of snacks and just sit eating, oh. do things very. So I had to try and really slow myself down. Why? Because I was too fast. Quickly. Some of the problems were we would have. I think it was like a six-hour exam. Do you remember? Yeah, that? I remember that. And I drew a picture of Dad holding a candle. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> I made him pose with a candle. Did ages. you make him look like fucking what's his name? Scrooge. Man? Scrooge. That's literally what I was going to say. I think it was before the beard. I don't know if I must have him somewhere, but they were like mittens. Um, but they were like, you cannot. You need to take this full six hours to do this. You cannot leave early yeah take your time and I'd be like oh trying but it was very hard is that because you feel like you're quite an impatient person I'm very impatient I'm deeply impatient <laughs> I don't think that's because of I don't I think I'm just naturally quite fast yeah and I find that now with tattooing as well I'm starting to really get, speed up get quicker yeah yeah well, it's a blessing and a curse so as you were going for school like did did you find school difficult or you had a nice time at school? I found school very difficult. <laughs> I, I enjoyed pals and I liked doing things with friends. But everything else was such a chore. Everything else and maths, English, I was really bad. <laughs> yeah, so maths, English, science, yeah. anything oh, like that. They wouldn't let me take science. They wouldn't <laughs> let me take biology. They just were like, no, you can't take biology. And I was like, they made me do chemistry. And I was like, but biology is about animals. And they wouldn't let me do it. Oh, I had to do chemistry 
mm-hmm. because uh, there was no room left in biology, so maybe it was the same reason. I don't think it was. I generally <laughs> think like they wouldn't let me. Do. They didn't want you. No, they didn't want me. And same with uh, I wanted to do French, and they wouldn't let me do French. I had to do Spanish, and my Spanish teacher was nutty. She we came in and she had a bag on her head once, <laughs> and she was like sniffing a sharpie. It was we were like this. Is that not quite bad for you? Get you high. She's like, oh, let's pass it around. <laughs> what? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we just drew all day in Spanish. We just drew. We didn't do anything else. It was the lowest set. <laughs> I was about to ask, me. what set was the this? The lowest set. Like, our exam was her sitting in front of us, saying what we had to say, and us repeating it back. That was it. <laughs> nice. Did it you pass? Bad. I did. <laughs> well done. Thank Congrats. you. <laughs> And like how, so when you've finished school, when did you decide to go to uni? Did you take a break in between? No, I went I can't to remember. college. So you went to college first. I went first. to Telford to do the, oh, what the hell was that called? It was the B-tech? foundation, foundation. I did foundation art and design. I did foundation art and design. So it was right. a bit of everything. And then I did that for a year. So you did that for a year. Did you like it? Like it at Telford? I did like it. Yeah, I oh liked it God. there too. They had good tuna baguettes, the hug. <laughs> The hub. <laughs> the best part. R.I.P. the hub. I miss it so much. The chin yeah. and The chin and for the best part of it. I've got it. I don't even remember what I was eating at that canteen. I don't know. Oh, you were missing out, mate. I think, I don't know if I was... No, I wasn't vegetarian at that point. Nah. But I wasn't eating tuna baguettes. There you go. <laughs> Missed out. So that was the highlight. <laughs> yeah, that was, no, it wasn't the highlight. But it was good. We did a lot of sculpture and just got to yeah. try lots of different things which was really fun i don't know i'm gonna assume it's still a course now i'm not 100 percent sure so. but it's at edinburgh college and it's a foundation art and design course which is very broad and very broad covers lots of different aspects of art and design and it's where i realized that i like textiles mm. and i assume you too because yeah me and kitty did the same degree sure did. but in different <laughs> universities at the same time Hell yeah. so um, but we'll get into that so yeah you did college course for a year yeah. and had an overall had a good experience yeah. i did like to did life drawing on a wednesday very competitive the life drawing um, i love life drawing oh i love life drawing too i did it recently at hendu and i was oh. like i'm the star of the show <laughs> it was great it was fun yeah i miss actually doing life drawing yeah I thought it was really good i, I always oh. thought it was funny when i'd see the models outside I it. of college. Oh, yeah, they'd always be Morrison's. And they'd be like, <laughs> I, I've seen your body. <laughs> your body. Your body. I don't need to know. Oh, yeah. uh, but it was, a, it was a good time. I really like the teachers there. Yeah. Do you know what pals, Rachel and Robin, they still chat to some of the chairs. Yeah. I always see the guy. Neil Manning. His, Neil Manning. I always I see him everywhere do. around town. Yeah. He must be local. I, I think he's just a man about town. Man, Neil, like I just Neil Manning about town. Neil Manning about town. Yeah, exactly. I shout yeah. out to Neil Manning. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, yeah, he's. I really. I enjoyed him. I remember him telling me that he used to go to parties with Vivian Westwood. <gasps> And I, whether it. that was true or not, no, I don't know. But you took that. I took it that, you and ran I ran with it. it. I loved that. And here and we are on a podcast, like however many years later, talking about it. I know. There, there you, go. you go. But because we all went down to London, we did. did you, yeah, we went to did London. Did a London trip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I went to World's End, the Vivian Westwood shop. Yeah. 
like the original one and bought a few pieces and we were showing our lecturers on the way home what we'd bought. Yep. And then that's when he was telling us about the parties they used oh, to have. Damn. So I don't know. Uh, I know. I can see it for him. <laughs> Sorry. For a second Kitty. Kitty has chronic hiccups, which is strange. They might make an appearance every now and then. They might make an appearance. It's not like regular hiccups. It's just that the, was it done. It was just it's just the occasional large noise that comes from her body. Thanks, Lou. It's alright. <laughs> um, yeah. So then, did you find textiles through that? class i did i like i just sewing and i like putting things together and like creating i just i like putting clothes together to be honest i'm not that much of a fashionable person like i say i probably have questionable fashion choices at the best at times it's not necessarily to do with fashion Mm. i was more like into costume i I really liked kind of costume and i liked like theater and all that stuff into that it's very like textiles itself is also broad because it could be fashion it could be costume design yeah, it could be like interior balance. design it really it's, yeah, it's it very, broad. Be very broad yeah so i liked all that and i liked the illustrative drawings of those and print printmaking yeah, yeah. printmaking was fun and yeah. then when you finished that year did you apply straight for uni? And, I did. And you went to Aberdeen University? I did. No, it was actually Robert Gordon University. Sorry, but it's in Aberdeen. It's in Aberdeen. Rob- <laughs> but, oh, that's separate, isn't it? Because Michael yeah, went Yeah, so to- Michael went to there. I was like, technically it was Grey School of Art, but that's part of Robert Gordon. We were like, Robert Gordon's this really big, it's really big, really good campus. And then there's other little buildings, and as it goes along, they get worse and worse. Mm. And we were at the art department, which was the very last building that uh, was falling apart and not that loved. The canteen no. did had no good tuna baguettes, so that was like a <laughs> what big was your one order there? Two hash browns in the morning. <laughs> that was it. I did, I must have done something else for lunch, but it wasn't. I don't remember eating much from there, like apart from my two hash browns in the morning priorities it was priority yeah. mm. so you felt like Aberdeen or Robert Gardens wasn't and you did some improvements like it, it was just like I felt like they put a lot into the academic side of it mm-hmm. but then when it came to the art departments like the uh, architecture and then the Gray School of Art they were just not they just weren't putting not a lot of money for. into it and they weren't really putting a lot into us and the course that I did was it was actually only the second year that he'd ever done that course Mm. so we were technically like guinea pigs so it was a bit frustrating because the first two years we weren't actually allowed to touch a sewing machine oh jesus yeah so i was like my sewing became abysmal for quite a while then i snapped out of it got good at it all of a sudden what was the title of your course exactly do you remember it was fashion textile designs. Fashion textile Just fashion textile design, yeah. Because mine's was design for textiles. Yeah. I didn't go to first year. I went straight into second year because I went to college as well. We wound up in the same year. Yeah. At just different unis. Just at different unis. And, yeah, so I didn't do first year, so I'm not sure what that entailed, but second year, it was very much learning about the different types of specialities you could go into from textiles see that seems helpful yes you could either choose you learnt about print digital and like screen printing yeah knit yep or weave 
So we learned those three in second year and then third year we picked one of those specialities. Yeah. So was that quite different? Because I feel like you were more, as you were saying, sewing machine like sewing machines were more crucial. Did you actually make clothing and stuff? Because yeah, we didn't yeah. really do that. We made clothing. So we would have uh, our sewing tech teacher who I loved. Me and her were like best pals. We were best pals. <laughs> so sorry. Very quiet. She would like teach us what to do and like we would sew collars we would learn how to do pockets we would learn how to do like the zips and like a jean we learned loads um and she was quite savage if you did it wrong you were you got sent back you had to redo it and redo it and redo it until you got it right and then we had a book where we showed like all of our stuff and then from that we were meant to build a garment so in third year or fourth year or something we were just like churning out trousers i remember i did two in a day and i was like fuck yeah <laughs> two in a day smash that was my record why did you decide to go to aberdeen i just i got in there <laughs> <laughs> did you I get into any other one no right, did, so i didn't actually get like... into any of the other ones because i applied for glasgow i applied for edinburgh and like edinburgh i mean you got into edinburgh yeah, but Edinburgh is a stinker to try and get into. And I had an issue where I think I got a C in English right. in my hires. I wasn't willing to do another year to get a B. So I um, wound up in Aberdeen, which coincidentally, um, my partner Michael went to Aberdeen University. So yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, if he's there, I don't mind. That works out Worked quite nicely. Yeah. And it wasn't intentional. It just was one of yeah. those like happy accidents. Exactly. So I followed him by mistake. Yeah. But- Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do? like how you wanted to use your degree yeah i wanted to make a little thing like a company or like a little design. a little thing a little thing oh, <laughs> called <know>. a company <laughs> uh-huh. what is that called like i wanted to have you want to own a business i would run a business i wanted to uh-huh. work for myself and i wanted to have a little business and i wanted to do my own thing and that's where me and you came in with uh-huh. which i'm sure you probably yes get we're, we will be getting into so i won't go into that too much but I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to be in the industry or the arts. Was there quite a push at your uni for your options are move to London and that's it? Or uh, was it, did you feel like there were more options for you? I f- in my head, I was like, there's no options and I'm going to have to make the options myself. Yes. If you, if, so I was like, I knew like the, like going down to London would have probably made sense. But at the same time, I knew it was so competitive, so unbelievably competitive. And I knew that there'd be a lot more people with to a bigger, better university than me. And so I was like, oh, I probably don't have much of a chance. So I was like, I'm going to pave the path myself. And yeah. So staying here, you have to, you kind of have to make your own yeah, Destiny I was okay with that. Decisions. I was at peace with making my own. Yeah, making my own way. And I just want to touch a little bit upon because I think it's really interesting yeah. your final project that you did yes. for uni. This was dedicated to, or part of your project was dedicated to the Rana Plaza disaster. Yes. Um, and just to give some context to that, I'm just going to read a little bit there of information, go. and then I've got a question for you. So, for anybody that doesn't know. For context, the Rana Plaza disaster was a structural fail. Go on. A structural <laughs> failure <Yeah>. that <laughs> occurred on the twenty fourth of April in two thousand and thirteen in an area of Bangladesh, where an eight story commercial building called Rana Plaza collapsed with a death toll of one thousand one hundred and thirty four people. Approximately two thousand five hundred injured people were rescued from the building. 
and it is considered the deadliest accidental structure failure in modern human history, the deadliest garment factory disaster in history, and the deadliest industrial accident in the history of Bangladesh. Um, the building contained clothing f- clothing factories, a bank, apartments, and several shops. The shops in the bank on the lower floor were immediately closed after cracks were discovered in the building. The building owners ignored warnings to avoid using the building after cracks and appeared the day before garment workers were ordered to return the following day and building collapsed during the morning of rush yeah. hour. So essentially it was a horrendous incident that happened in Bangladesh where over a thousand people died and it was due to the fact that garment workers were being forced to yeah. work even in a building that wasn't structurally sound which resulted in a disastrous situation. Why did that story resonate with you? We were doing, it was like, we had to do our dissertation and our um, project had to be related. Mm-hmm. And I took that very literal. <laughs> and was like, I'm just going to do the whole thing together. It was more on the fast fashion industry. And then the more I dug into it and like, looking at sustainable fashion, and then mm-hmm. I discovered, because I hadn't heard of the Rana Plaza disaster. It's more known in the kind of world that we come from, yeah. educational wise, but for a lot of people, I don't think they do know about it. No, it, it would, yeah. I couldn't believe after reading about it like, that has gone under the radar and it was like due to very big brands, which I don't know if I should say. Can I say names? Go for it. <laughs> Call them out. Pre-mark. <laughs> bastards. Pre-mark, like, yeah, bastards. H&M, all that kind of stuff. There was quite a lot of different uh, companies that were working there and they're such big names and I just could not believe that uh, they had forced their employees to go and work in such horrendous conditions for absolutely fuck all. Sorry, am I going to <laughs> Keep going, am keep I going moving away, away from them. Yeah, more just that I couldn't believe, I, I just could not believe that had happened. And yeah. that it was like due to the big companies. Yeah, it's um, very shocking. I, it was really shocking. And I have not been able to go into a pre-mark without feeling horribly guilty ever since. And I don't shop there. Yes, it's horrendous. I remember learning about it and amongst a few other things to do with the fashion industry at university. And that was because he didn't, teach a lot about that side of they things didn't. um and i definitely think that should have been a subject more have, yeah. taught and that's because it was a real eye-opener for me personally i found it a real eye-opener because i wanted to be involved in this industry mm-hmm. that actually was full of a lot of yeah. devastation it has a huge impact on the environment the mass production of clothing, yep. child labour, yep. the, the abusive laws that it's they all have. fast fashion, baby. On, and fast awful. fashion, yeah. And um, and it really did open my eyes to what we were learning to essentially be a part of. Yeah. But so how could we use that in a more positive way not to feel so guilty I about agree, it? Yeah. Because I felt a lot of guilt I with felt, it. I yeah. And I thought also, like, people didn't care and they also didn't want to know. And yeah. that I found very difficult because the more I spoke about it, the more I learned and the more I would talk to other people about it, they didn't want to know because they wanted to continue shopping at, say, Primark because of their prices are so cheap, but they're, yeah. they're cheap for a reason. Yeah. Um, and I think just to clarify i think there's a difference between people that financially aren't able to shop in other places people that need to go to these places to buy their clothes because they can't afford anywhere else but i think the people that can afford 
should need to <laughs> just have a bit more like thought behind what yeah. they purchase. But I do think that from when we were at uni until now, there's been a lot of drastic changes as far as yeah. people's buying habits and yeah. what they prefer to buy. Fast fashion is still a huge issue, but mm-hmm. it's the approach to it is a lot more, I don't know, people have a lot more knowledge of yeah. it now. And I do agree, people, like there are some people who can't physically buy anything other than that because of the prices. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you're, it's a loop that you, they, you can't get out of. Yeah. Almost, and then I think the big companies like capitalize on that. As yeah, well. of course, yeah, yeah, definitely. But that story resonated with you, and yep. you decided to put your cl- your collection together, and you used a lot of the imagery, didn't you? From... Yeah. So I illustrated some imagery from it, but because it was in Bangladesh, I wouldn't say necessarily it was like traditional Indian garments, but I designed garments that were like had that kind of traditional Indian look. It was, like, quite flowy. I yeah. can't even remember the names of them all. Sorry, it's been a while. Um, and, like, I used Paisley pattern to hide the images of the disaster in the clothing. And all my clothing were, like, sustainably sourced or eco-friendly, you know, all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I used particular dyes that... Would call, yeah, friendly yeah. Eco, yeah. It was all about finding the hidden pieces within the garment so it's kind yeah. of almost like subliminal messages almost for like hidden messages within the clothing if you looked yeah i think it's i think what you're trying to do is it's almost like a what's the word it's all transparency al- yeah it's like you it's like how you look at clothing as a whole whereas you see a pattern or a print and it's yeah. very pretty yeah but then actually closer. if you look closer the construction of how the clothes got there in the first place is very dark, rooted. Yes, Lucy, you could probably have written my, <laughs> my uh, <laughs> dissertation, my dissertation for me. very well for me. I... No, it's it, no, Trust. but it's that kind of you know how people see one thing Absolutely. and then actually there's something else going on underneath. So yeah, that's definitely what I'm trying to say. I'm not very good at explaining myself. It's okay. Um... You're doing a good job. <laughs> You're good. Um, and then so we did a kind of. Um, crazy thing where after we both graduated we decided quite quickly we wanted to do our own thing together and we started a sustainable fashion brand ourselves in 2016 called Studio 5 Yay. which was really fun we loved it. <laughs> it was a really fun part of so our fun. lives yeah we had a great time doing that it was really nice and it went so quickly I know so we did it for three years we had how many collections? Oh God, maybe we did two, two a year. year? Yeah, so, so I guess it must have been six. Six, yeah, it must have been six. But the two a year, we'd finish one and then boom, instantly we shaped into the other. Mad. We decided that this was something that we wanted to do. Like we said, we wanted to build something for ourselves in Edinburgh, where we lived. And you are very good yeah. at drawing. And you're also very good at drawing. I'm okay at drawing. I think you're better than you. I'm realize. okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I need references. I need references. No, but I need. I can copy something quite right. well. But to create something my own is quite different. Okay. Different for me. Gotcha. But you were you're very good at drawing and illustrating, and so you designed a lot of the prints. And we constructed them together into little makeup bags and cushions and we had t-shirts and it was all made from uh, sustainable fabrics um, that we digitally printed, which is a more eco-friendly way of printing. 
And and yeah, we had a great time building up our little thing for ourselves. Did I force you to do it? No, someone <laughs> say you did. No, I just sometimes worry that I did. Did you? No. I, I expect I, you to hear that. Sometimes I worry do, that I forced you into you, it. Do you lie awake at night? No. Like, did I force Katie into a story of five? No, I was writing these questions and I was like, what did you enjoy about Studio 5 and did I force you into it? Because <laughs> kind of, I, I do, I just worried sometimes that because I had an idea no. of something I was like you're doing it with me no, so like, no, you, can, you can rest easy you did okay. not I wanted to do something as well and it actually it felt easier doing it with you because we could like feel like me and you could talk very openly about what we did and didn't like they weren't a, we weren't scared to yeah feel like, no actually no I don't like this I like this you mm-hmm. know what I mean and doing things together as a two was always a lot easier in the sense of the markets and yes um making sure we were both doing equal amounts of whatever it was just easier mm-hmm. and i really enjoyed that it was um it was a fun little ride when we were yeah. on it do you remember what your favorite market was god they all blurred one there was one one where i threw up in a taxi outside when i was really hungover. oh god and that's the one that always sticks out to me <laughs> i don't even think i, I went forgot to that market that. i think i just picked you up and was just Ill. Yeah. Ill we were you would have been I was twenty five. So oh, you would have been three. Yeah. So we were youngins. We were youngins. We were doing our thing. <laughs> yeah. But no, the markets were always a hit or a miss because sometimes you'd go there and you'd be like, let's do this. Mm. Nothing would happen. Mm. Absolutely nothing would happen. Or it'd be like the best market and you're like, bing, Izel, Izel, Izel. <laughs> I mean it was just like cashing in those checks yeah i know it was a very enjoyable part of having our brand because we got to meet people and talk to people and make contacts and that was the fun obviously it was great when we sold pieces yeah but it was really great getting to meet lots of long days yeah it was a long long day, day a lot of prep yeah and a lot of setup but definitely worth doing oh for sure do you know what they've actually really helped me in my life currently (laughs) in my current day that's good (laughs) present day um no because with the the tattoo conventions because i realized they're just the same as markets Mm -hmm. and the minute you start because it's when you start talking to people that's when they stop to look at your stuff and to buy something so anyone who walks past i like look into their soul and i'm like hiya (laughs) hiya are you having a nice day? Da, 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 da. People love it. Yeah. They love it. They're here for the chat. There's, there's nothing wrong with being friendly. Oh, no, I'm the friendliest. <laughs> <laughs> but we did Studio 5 for three years. That's when I realised I enjoyed the like marketing side yeah, you're very it. good at that. And the social media side of it. Social media, no, it wasn't new, but it wasn't what it is today no. as far as Instagram goes. But that was our kind of main use of promotion and uh, I built us a website so I realized that was what I enjoyed doing and then ended up getting work in that uh, full-time work and doing studio five on the side you were I was you were doing different bar work and stuff I think I was I was working with Catherine our cousin at the tower studio for a fair bit and I was doing I did a bit of zorbing 
<laughs> oh yeah, Kitty's list of jobs is my, absolutely hilarious. I have quite the CVs, uh, not just one. I have multiple <laughs> for different themes. But yeah, so I did just absorbing themed CV. No, it's more of a activity, activity. <laughs> activity creatives. And then I've got my serious CV, uh-huh. my bar CV. So I think I've got three CVs in total. Nice. But yeah, it was more working with Catherine at the Tile Edinburgh Tile Studio. And shout out shout out Edinburgh Tiles Studio we love the tiles <laughs> actually do love tiles didn't yes. realise how much I do love them yeah so I was doing those two and then I think I cut absorbing and then just did the tiles but it was hard work doing the Studio yeah. 5 and then that at the same time especially when you worked weekends yes that's when it became harder for us to do coordinate the markets because it would be like one of us doing it or mm-hmm. and our studio was in Glasgow at one point for quite a while yeah so like having to go through to Glasgow and just bash it all out yeah I know and then um, don't know how we did it I don't know how we did it sometimes <laughs> as well I'm now that I'm freelance and I'm doing lots of different things I'm like god how did I keep up with a full-time job plus yeah. another job and it, then life itself and then life itself yeah. yeah but but we both yeah we both I think we both got a lot out of it. Oh, I got loads from it. And as much as it didn't continue, the reasoning behind that was because we had both decided we wanted to focus on different areas yeah. of and of our career and build up on that. You decided you I remember you phoning me and saying that you wanted to be a tattoo artist. Yeah. And you wanted to start doing that. And I was also working and as a marketing assistant, but I wanted to focus on that and I also didn't want you to try and I didn't want you to be pulled too thin between the two when doing a tattoo apprenticeship is a a whole thing it's a it's a whole damn thing which involves a lot of hard work and I didn't want you to have to cut your time yeah between the two the thing was as well with the apprenticeship that I got was the first apprenticeship that I got was actually in Falkirk yes and I it was remember working this. weekends as well and there was no way of getting out of it so I wouldn't have been able to help with any of the market markets or anything yeah so it was just one of those things yeah so you realize what to become a tattoo artist yes and then how do you take the steps to making that become a reality yeah because that was that because to be fair I had been thinking about tattooing for years yeah and I didn't understand how to get into it and I had no idea really and then it was I think during when I was working at the tile studio I would just be sitting daydreaming all day I was like I just want to draw all day I was yeah. like what's like drawing's always been my strength and I was doing really well with the tile studio, to be fair. Like, I was doing loads of stuff I never thought I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, our cousin was, like, brilliant at helping me get to that point. But I just knew I wanted to just draw all day long. And that yeah. Was it. Uh, so I actually contacted a friend of ours who does tattooing. Shout out to Marley. Um, and I contacted him and I was like, I want to do this, but I'm not sure how. And he just showed up at my work <laughs> Luckily, when Catherine was on her lunch break, he was like, Kay, you want to do tattoos? I was like, fuck, yes, (laughs) yes, I do. But my God, I was like, Catherine's literally out for lunch. So luckily she wasn't there. So me and him had a big chat about it. The poor studio assistant looked very confused. I was like, don't say anything. I'm not ready to talk about this. She needed me. Um... And then Catherine and her partner, Keith, then show up. And I was like, right, Marley, time for you to go. Goodbye. And sent him on his way. And then I had started drawing every day after work. Mm -hmm. And started picking a portfolio. Hi, Chase. 
Darling, come on. Get involved. Come on. Come on, you. Poor little sausage. He's neglected. He Beautiful is. boy. Um, I started drawing every day after work. And I started to put this portfolio together of some old stuff that I had, some new stuff, like a total mix, mm-hmm. a blend of different types of drawings and stuff like that. And then I went to Marley and showed him what I'd done. And him and the guy who owned the studio, they went through my work and they were like, this is good. So that was super helpful. And then after that, I spoke to Paul Sinclair, who does... Yeah, Red Hot and Red, Blue. Red Hot and Blue, but at the time he was at the Portobello one. But yeah, he's, he's uh, there Sinclair's, as well. Yeah, he, he owns too. Yeah. So I went and spoke to him, and he was also very helpful. And then after having chats with both of them, I was felt a lot more kind of confident to start putting out my portfolio. So mm. my plan was I had written a list of every single tattoo studio in the area mm-hmm. and the ones in town I physically went to, yeah. which was really embarrassing. I would recommend doing it, but <laughs> you have to be very confident. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily I've I've got I've had a million jobs and I am not shy to ask for a job. You just I would just go round like look at my portfolio, please. And sometimes he said yes, sometimes he said no. And I would cross them off on my list. And maybe about... Um, and eventually I found Brass Buddha Tattoo, which is where I'm at now. And I saw their Instagram, but they were further out. They were just outside of Edinburgh. So I was like, I'm not going to go there, which is terrible. But I was like, I'm just going to email. So I messaged them and um, Dan, the owner, was on holiday so literally wait for a week for him to get back. I was like, hiya, you back again. And he was, I was literally, just, you just have to be really persistent and confident and all that stuff. So you just have to really go and try. And he liked the stuff and gave me a chance, which was great. But I had originally been at another studio in Falkirk, which maybe I won't say the name of, but my goodness, it was yeah. questionable. But the, 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 the owner was lovely, but it, the rest of it was it was quite challenging yeah um and i quit because it was just too much after four months and i was devastated about quitting because i really didn't want to quit i thought that was the end of it um, yeah because it's so hard to it's so hard and they were actually looking for someone and i got the position mm-hmm. and no one else i could see was looking for someone so that's why when i was like when i have to again pave my own path take that take my destiny into my own hands and it worked out well but yeah it's challenging yeah for sure oh yeah absolutely I mean it's it seems like hard work just to get in the door yeah and then you've still got to do the apprenticeship (laughs) exactly so it's not for the faint-hearted but you recommend as strong a portfolio as you can manage yeah really broaden it out and just go in and have a physical one and have one online i thought maybe i'd have a better chance with studios outside of edinburgh because it's it's such a competitive industry yeah in general and yeah luckily dan just took a chance on um on me and it was it's great i mean i absolutely love the studio that that i'm in yeah um and they're all really great so it, it worked out really well, but yeah, it's it, you just have to be really persistent. And uh, you obviously got your apprenticeship and were working away at that. Mm. What quickly became your kind of pros and cons of tattooing? 
do you have pros and the cons? The pros and the cons. Yeah. Oh, of tattooing itself. Yeah. Or of the apprenticeship. <laughs> I mean, you could do of the apprenticeship. The pros of the apprenticeship is obviously the goal at the end of tattooing. Uh, and I guess like learning little things. But the con is like how long it can go on for. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, like I felt like I was like, I can do this. Yeah. I want to do it now. Yeah, and it must be very frustrating. Yeah, and the thing was, I was like, I didn't want to push that. I wanted them to be like, you're ready for the next step. And I was just give it to me now. Impatient. Going yes. back to me being impatient. But your apprenticeship was particularly long because... COVID. Because of COVID. <laughs> yeah, I got my apprenticeship in 2000, August of 2019. Uh-huh. And then what, by like Christmas, was yeah. it? Oh, was what, it lockdown? Lockdown, yeah. No, no. no I March. started. Yeah, so I started the apprenticeship in two thousand and nineteen. Two thousand nineteen, and then by like oh, March, I was only like a couple months in because I had originally done four months at my first apprenticeship, and then I quit, and then I had to start again. Yeah, at the new one. Um, so yeah, it it just went. I felt like it went on forever. It did. It did go on forever. Yeah, and I was like the whole of COVID. I was like they're gonna get rid of me because they don't need me but um what's they didn't (laughs) what is like the average apprenticeship time normally it's it's like a couple years it it depends actually because i've noticed definitely a lot more people are getting it depends what studio you get like sometimes like people start with like tattoo within the first couple of months Mm. sometimes it could be years it, it, it's luck of it's, the draw it's luck of the draw yeah it's it's totally luck of the draw and everyone in my studio has done a different amount of time each i would say um it uh, it, it it really does vary on studio to studio yeah um yeah and everyone just goes at different paces so it is what it is did you do any conventions in your apprenticeship or is that something that you do when you you, I think some people do. We didn't because of because of COVID. Because no, of COVID, yeah. There was no convention. So the first one we did, I had actually I think just started tattooing, but I didn't tattoo. It was at the London convention at the Ali Pali, mm-hmm. which was really great. So I went as everyone's apprentice. So I was running around after everyone, cleaning up mostly Shannon because Shannon's an absolute machine. So she was just <laughs> bash, bash, bash. I was like clean, clean, clean. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, then the second convention we did, I worked at. And I think I'd only been tattooing for six months. At the time, it was very bold of me. But mm-hmm. I was like, I'm confident. I, I did it, and it was really good. And I, yeah. I learned loads from it. But again, they're just like... It, it was just like doing a... A market. A market, like you're tattooing at the market. Yeah. yeah. But we're doing one uh, this October at the... Um, in an abandoned prison. Oh, yes. You told I me. so excited. What's the convention called? Locked Up. And nice. it's in Shrewsbury, which Dad says I'm saying that wrong, but to me it looks like Shrewsbury. So I'm going to say it. <laughs> you can call Dad and be like, how do you say it? Uh, yeah, so it's in Shrewsbury, which I believe is in Wales. But yeah, it's an abandoned prison and we've been given our own cells. And I'm so excited. I'm going to put fairy lights up in my cells. That's very exciting. Yeah, When's that? That's in October, so I'm like spooky season. Mm, yeah. Are you going to do some spooky flash? I think I will. I might do some prison tat. I don't know, maybe some prison inspired tattoos, but I don't know if that maybe that's rude. I, don't <laughs> know. I need to look into it. I need to look into it because you don't want to be disrespectful to the inmates. 
Sure. Sure. <laughs> they're not there anymore though. they're not there but I'm like definitely hoping for a good haunting or maybe I'll be too busy for a haunting and I won't, too busy I won't, to I won't, I won't see hauntings. the signs so tattoo convention's fun you, yes. and you just did a guest spot I did my first Brighton. guest spot yeah. yeah and what was that like oh it was great I was uh, kind of shitting myself because my boss had suggested that I did one since I was going to be in the area and I was a bit like oh should I do it but it's something that I know I want to do yeah with tattooing I would love to one day like be able to travel with it and to go around different studios um, and it was really good and very beneficial and it's cool to just meet people who have different styles and learn from them and stuff yeah. like that and see how different studios run because it can be quite intimidating Mm-hmm. Going into a new studio, I find, because you don't know who you're going to get. It, it definitely, that's something that attracted me to tattooing, is the conventions, because when you can travel around doing conventions, mm-hmm. and you can travel around doing guest spots. Yeah. And that's definitely something I would love to do, because I can't help but work. I love a wee job. It's also getting busy. paid to travel, really. I know, Chase. It's one, yes. Yes. Getting paid to travel is pretty, yeah, pretty great. Yeah. Always good. So this next part Uh of the podcast is called You're Talking Shite. Oh. And it's a true or false game where we debunk stereotypes and generalizations about either you or your career. This I did a little bit differently than the first time I did it with Leo. Um, And I had put it on my story. I saw. If anybody else had any questions that they would like to ask a tattoo artist. Did you get responses? I got a couple of responses. Oh I have put them in with the other stereotypes. Holy moly. The, and they're, they're more questions than stereotypes. But I think there's a lot to be discussed within it okay. that will further the conversation of being a tattoo artist and what that means. Uh, okay, so we'll do one of the stereotypes first. Okay. So tattoo artists are all covered in tattoos. Definitely not true. Not true. Not true. I would I would have thought that was more true than I don't not know, because there's quite a few artists that I've met who don't actually have a whole lot. Yeah. Or maybe they're just building it up. Ewan, who I work for, if he's, he's not got a whole lot. Does he not? And he taught me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's an artist called Lucy Gray who is very talented and she's only got like a handful on her legs, but she's like... And is that ones that she's done herself? Yeah, I think so. She just bashed up full days. Like, she's, like, very popular and she's only got a small handful. When I started, I only had three. But yeah, I think that is the stereotype. Yeah. It's that don't trust a tattoo yeah. artist that doesn't have yeah. tattoos themselves. Most of them have a lot. I would say pretty yeah. much a very high percentage. It's probably a very small percentage who don't have two tattoos. But it's not required. I would say it's required. <laughs> okay. I definitely think it's required. You should have tattoos. If you're going to be a tattoo artist, definitely have tattoos. And I was really paranoid when I first started because I was like, no one's going to give me a job because I only have three tattoos. Mm. People, just something that people say. Yeah. Oh, don't trust a tattoo artist yeah. that doesn't have tattoos. Um, so a ne- another stereotype, um, tattoo artists make a lot of money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends. You're yeah. rich. Dollars. <laughs> to yeah. be honest, I, like when you think about it though, I was thinking about this the other day, but with an apprenticeship, you generally don't get paid for an apprenticeship. No, not really. And or you might get a wee bit. Yeah. Yeah. But say that goes on for a couple of years, you have a lot of making up to do. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> for sure. You definitely got to hold out. Like, you know it's coming. 
and it's and now that you're in it, it's great. This yeah, is, it's worth really, it. In the it's end. definitely worth it in the end, not just because of the money, but also just you're doing something that you love. Yeah, of course. Um, but it does pay it well. Does, yeah, it does pay well, and it does. I don't know. Some places, I think can charge loads like we're pretty reasonable priced yeah, yeah. Uh, I think some people are taking the piss with mm-hmm. their pricing uh, I don't know anyone personally taking the piss but I've heard stories yeah. about certain things costing X amount and being very shocked at that but yeah I think but also I think there's a lot of what I've heard down south I don't know how true this is but my understanding of people who I've spoken to down south who are tattooists seem to have second jobs and I think it's really competitive Oh. down south uh-huh. because maybe I think the price of London and stuff like that right. they're really high or there's so many studios that I think they're all competing with each other so I don't know if all of them are booked out maybe I'm completely wrong with that but there's some people I've spoken to who yeah. have said they've got second jobs because of that but yeah. in, as far as Edinburgh goes it's it seems yeah pretty everyone seems pretty busy yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, booked and blessed. Booked and booked blessed. And blessed. Absolutely. And it's something that deserves to be paid well. Yeah. So I mean, there's you put no your body through it. Yeah. There's no. There's no denying yeah. that. The work never ends. That's also something. Unless this is a question, mm-hmm. but the work doesn't end. Like yeah. you literally, you're working all day. You come home. You've got million messages to go through, and then you respond to the messages. You'll get about ten more back. And then you've got to get all the payments and you've got, you've got to draw for the next day. It's literally, I'm going, after this, I'm going home to draw. Yeah. It just, it's so busy. Yeah, it's non-stop. It's non-stop. If you want to do something, you have to really plan it around, drawing around your week. And sometimes I forget to do that. Mm. And so sometimes you'll be drawing really late or you could be drawing really around times and you're just like, I just want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, those days where you're just like, I don't want to draw. I don't want to do yeah. it. It's a block in my brain and um, I can't do it. Yes very hard a creative block a creative block yeah no I, I it, it is non-stop uh, from what I see it's yeah. um an all-time thing and um and it does deserve to be paid well uh-huh. and it does it deserves the credit yeah. it gets yeah. because it's a funny industry um that has a lot of like stigma behind it yeah, totally. there's a lot of like stigma behind tattooing with um that tattoo artists or people with tattoos in general are um uneducated there's a lot of stigma behind being a tattoo artist or there has been from when definitely from when we were growing up people with tattoos were a very specific type of person yeah now not so much and everybody's got tattoos but it's definitely like a i imagine a career that people have had to be have to defend for a long time yeah that's why we don't call the tattoo machines guns because obviously Mm. guns are like violence and stuff like that no it's not a gun it's a damn machine yeah exactly that's something that people could maybe use against you yeah and you're like no it's it's not a gun obviously (laughs) if you said that to any tattoo artist they'd be like it's a machine it's a machine no i've been told that before yeah yeah Yeah. i've said gun and been told no Yeah. yeah yeah okay what is next so let's go for a couple of questions that were asked not so much stereotypes but just general questions that are interesting to know the answers to so got one from Shobi Scribbles uh, Shona she's in Glasgow um how long was your apprenticeship we've touched upon this before but yeah it, it started in 2019 then COVID, yeah. so what well, we went back to work was it like twenty twenty one? That's 
hideous. That's yeah. awful. Um, <laughs> dark so times. It was very dark times. So I maybe and so I got. I think I did try work out once. So obviously we had that gap. And I have been tattooing for about a year and a half now. But I did start maybe going like three years, but that's with COVID in between. Yeah. So it was a lot of stop and start. Yeah. So it's really hard to gauge that. But I can tell you that other people in my studio have done two years, one year. It really does vary. Everyone's done a different length. And I'd said this earlier, but not all apprenticeships are the same. Yeah. But a lot of them are unpaid. <laughs> You've got to be able to know that you're going to have to dedicate minimum or minimum a year to two years of your life with not having an income. It's literally, I remember making that decision, but I was working, no, I was living at home and I had a part-time job in a bar and uh, I just was like, this is, I'm just going to have to make this work. And then during COVID, I did commissions, uh, which really helped keep me afloat and kept you drawing, that kind of thing. But yeah, you really have to know you want it. They have to be like, nope, this is what I want. I'm going to get there. You have to know. Did you save a bit of money before you started or did you just no, go I for just it? Went, no, I just went. No, because I actually, I got my first apprenticeship really quickly. I decided that's what I wanted to do. I remember telling Catherine, our cousin, I was like, I'm, I want to do this. But I was like, this could be like in a year. It could be in a couple of months. I have no idea. And then literally got the apprenticeship within a couple of months mm. and then quit that one and then got this next apprenticeship within a month. So it, so it happened pretty quickly. quickly for me, but yeah, you have to really look, be persistent. Yes. Keyword. Persistent. persistent. Yeah. That could be your mantra. That could be my mantra. <laughs> Call back. I'm so persistent. <laughs> um, <laughs> so a question from lovely Isabel. How do you get excited when someone is asking you to ink something you do not care about? <laughs> Luckily, a lot of my, my clients, they all get pretty cool things, I think. I quite like the stuff that I do. Yeah, there's very cool. But there are cool. a few things where I'm just like, oh, it's very generic. But what I have to remember in my head is that it's important to them. And if it's important to them, then I need to do what I can. However uninterested <laughs> maybe I am, I don't know how what, what it could be. But um, I guess it doesn't really matter how... Uh, if you're interested in the subject matter you must get quite zoned in to what you're doing regardless totally go into whatever is the flow love the flow yeah you go into and for me it's just again drawing you can have a chat with that person and you can meet you meet really interesting people i get told some mad stories i bet oh yeah people just tell you everything when you're a tattoo (laughs) it's like a therapist people say that it's like or hairdressers oh yeah people do the same with hairdressers apparently like there was like a study and it was like a tattoo artist and a hairdresser gets like get yeah, the most mad stories but tattoo artist gets the most because they're in pain in pain so they just start letting it all go <laughs> the trauma the tra- comes oh, spilling people, out people are like i'm really sorry i'm just like trauma dumping and i'm like it's all right just you can keep going <laughs> you don't mind the trauma uh, dumping. I don't mind the trauma dumping yeah because so you get like regardless of whether I'm enjoying it or not, like I, you, you meet a lot of interesting people, and if it means yeah. something to them, then however simple you or can make it mean um, something. To yeah, them. exactly. That's why I think. Yeah, yeah, that makes lots of sense. Yeah. Um, and another question from I don't know who this was. You might, 
because they mentioned you, uh, Sad Boy Guitars. Oh, his... Cal, it's Calvin. Cal, yeah. <laughs> he said, Kitty, do you plan to stay in Scotland or move elsewhere? If so, I need 12 bookings in a row. <laughs> oh, I love Cal. Um, no, I'm planning on, I think, yeah, I plan to stay in Scotland because we... Me and Michael spoke about going to Manchester a few yeah. times, but even like that that was like during the apprenticeship, but the apprenticeship was too long was not too long. But the apprenticeship was long and then now I'm tattooing, I've only been doing it for a year and a half, so I don't want to go in anywhere where I'm not like mega confident. Yeah. Like I do I wouldn't want to change studios because I'm generally very happy there and I like where I work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was gonna ask you actually if you would if there was any other studio in Edinburgh because Brass Buddha tattoos in Trinet, yeah, which is obviously very close to where you live, so it makes a lot, it may, of, sense it, it makes a lot of sense for you. But is there any difference in what you can charge in Edinburgh? I think or... people charge a bit more in yeah, Edinburgh. They must do. Uh, they, they must do. Yeah. From... Oh yes, yes you, you charge lot... too much yeah. money for your company. You have a lot to see. Lot to see. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I think if, like every studio is completely different, and I don't know. I wouldn't. I would probably go into Edinburgh one day. Yeah. But for the time being, I'm like, I'm still, I feel like I'm still learning. There's still a lot I feel like I want to do. Yeah. In Trinet. Um, it's a long process. It's a long process. Yeah. Like no matter how, I think, I mean, I mean I've been doing this for a year and a half and I'm still in my brain. I'm like, I don't want, I'm, there's still so much. I'm like, this is not perfect yet. Or I want to be able to work on this. I want to work on that. And every day I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that different. Like I'll go home at night and I'm like, I'm next time I'm going to. So I really get into it in my brain. Um, of course. Yeah. Every day's, you got a, it. every day's a new learning day and everyone is so different to tattoo as well. Mm-hmm. So you come across things which you might not have came across before quite often. You're like, shit, here's a new challenge to overcome. And uh, yeah, I'm still very much learning and I wouldn't want to jump dis- ship. Jump ship because of that. And Yeah, fair yeah, enough. And as I said, like I've got good support there. I really like everyone who I work with. We all have a we all have good banner, ten out of ten banner. Um, <laughs> so I, I can't go missing that. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, that kind of goes quite nicely into this next stereotype, which is going into tattoo parlours is intimidating. I found that quite intimidating. Yes. Yeah, yeah, to- totally. From my experience, it's also intimidating. Yeah, yeah it is really, it can be really intimidating. When I was looking for an apprenticeship, I was just going in to places and everyone would just stop and look at you and they're like, we've not got bookings. Who's this bird walking in? Who's <laughs> hiring? So yeah, it can be very intimidating, especially like if you don't know who they are. Or Generally, what I've found is I've met quite a lot of tattoo artists now in town and or just like people who I've met in passing and they've all actually been very nice. They've all been very nice, but it's I think it's walking into a new environment. Where you're about it's to the, get stabbed with some needles, yeah, it's, maybe. It's the unknown. It's yeah. the unknown. <laughs> yeah. And also the whole thing, if you're going in just to book something or if you're going in to get something, it's all you don't you don't know. So a lot of people who come to me are like recommendations, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that's nice. Um, so I think I'm like well, I was recommended by A B B B B and it's oh I love that because like, so people know you're all right. Yeah, <laughs> this is actually a stereotype that I've not written down, but it's just popped into my head. Oh yeah, that men are worse at getting tattooed. I would, I would maybe I, say so. <laughs> I would maybe say so. I don't know. Women seem to like hack it out. They tend to really can just crack harbor on. that they, pain. They, they, can really, they can really hold it in, or they just crack on. Yeah, I have seen some guys. Yeah. Because big scene. I was getting my drowning girl tattoo 
Yeah. And uh, if, if anybody knows Fidget, who's a tattoo artist, she does this little design called The Drowning Girl and she did a charity event in Glasgow. So you would pay £50 for The Drowning Girl tattoo and you'd queue up and the, all the money would go to Rape Crisis Scotland. So an amazing cause. Yeah. And I went hungover uh, by myself Ugh. and waited in a queue for 10 hours Hideous. which was awful <laughs> but um, as part of the experience uh, we were getting near the end and I was maybe like I was I maybe had five or six people to go like I was really close to getting tattooed and I was like at the end of my absolute tether and this guy went in really confident really oh, yeah. quite cocky and he was getting it like there like just like literally that's a sore area mm, I find it sore just it's just below the, the inside of your elbow the ditch he was getting it there I think and he fainted oh that would have been really annoying it held everything back <laughs> by an extra another like 45 minutes or something because he hadn't eaten anything yep and yep. which was obviously stupid definitely and because he'd been standing in that queue for such a long time yep and I, but I just saw it was so funny because directly after him was this girl who was really cool and I chatted to her a little bit in the queue and she got the tattoo, the same one, but on her throat. Oh, wow. And she just sat there like a oh, brick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's mad. Like, I do find girls are a lot more sturdy than guys. Yeah. For, for sure. And you, you find more guys, I've, maybe it's just an experience in my studio, but like definitely more guys have been on the white A. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They go like a... Like real off shade green, you're yeah. like the water, the sugar, but like running back to like, We biscuits. had to get him chips. We yeah. had to bring him in chips and sweeties to give him some okay. sugar. Oh, oh yeah, for I know. Because sure. to me, it doesn't feel painful it's not like ouchy it sore i find it more annoying i find it more annoying that's the term i would use more uh, than uh-huh. painful yeah you just get annoyed at it i'm really yeah i'm like why is this it's so annoying ah uh-huh. i'm and like then, just be over uh, this yeah, is so annoying it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, i try to find like i can go on for quite a while but then there's a point i'm just like i'm over it yeah like, same now this same. is too irritating and i feel bad as well because i feel like my tolerance is lower with you because you're my sister. Oh, no. So if I'm with somebody I don't know, I'll like ride it out. Oh, yeah, for but sure. But then 15 minutes into getting tattooed, no, not 15 minutes, but when getting into tattoo, maybe depending on how long the tattoo is going to be, I'll be like, Kitty, I'm over this. Now. Oh, I'm fed up. I'm fed up. I'm fed up. I'm fed up. My, my tolerance. I would have loved that when I was practicing on you. You'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Done. No, I, I can put it on if I need to, but if I know I can maybe relax and be honest about it, I can be like, oh, I'm fucking over this. <laughs> but, and that's the. Hardest part for me about getting tattooed yeah. is just bearing with it. Oh, yeah. And getting, rather than it being painful. Yeah, I don't like, I don't know. So there's some areas where I've been like, this is oh, yeah. real fucking so. Oh, of course. Yeah. But then, um, there's better areas than others, for sure. For sure. But I remember that I got told the story once from someone who I know. They said that they were tattooing this guy and they got a Sharpie out to, I don't know if they were maybe drawing on the area. Uh huh. He fainted. What, from the Sharpie? From the Sharpie. Oh, wow, that's impressive. <laughs> Instant egg. <laughs> yeah, instant egg. Totally. <laughs> Death by Sharpie. Well, yeah, I don't know if he actually got the tattoo at the end. I can't remember. But I remember too much. Like, too much. Too the much Sharpie to was too much. Too much. Too much. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's hilarious. It happens. It happens. Well, that's another stereotype. Actually, no, this isn't a stereotype. This is a question from my partner, Cam. Cameroni. Yeah. Do you find it scary to physically tattoo people? Like, not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. I imagine. I, 
used to. Ones. My God, I was dehydrated. <laughs> so thirsty. Everything, I, I, I would almost... Drying like, up. I, 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 people would come in and be like, oh, like, like chugging back bottles of water. Thirst I've never felt before. Um, Anxiety thirst. It must have been, honestly. I was so thirsty all the time. And I would like almost avoid starting the tattoos because I was so nervous. I would just be absolutely chugging it back. Uh, but yeah, the first handful of, it was like quite a while actually, you're just like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Mm. How people are trusting me to do this. And to be fair, most people who I've tattooed right at the beginning have all come back and have done like lots more on them. So it's really, it's nice to see like the development. Yeah. But so- sometimes now in, in certain areas, if I'm like doing something in a certain area, uh, which can be tricky, that could be a bit like, oh, I'm a bit nervous about this. I did one the other day on a customer who sat so damn well if you're listening to this shout out sat so well we did an arcade machine oh i've seen it on, on your on instagram their stomach. yeah and i was like one Very it's cool. on a stomach and sure. that is pretty hardcore and like people can sit really badly for that mm. and two lots of straight lines and then i was like if you're if someone's wriggling or struggling and it's on the stomach that can be really i was like oh a bit nervous for it yeah but they sat so well the people sit so well or terribly and they, they did they smashed it That's- that was probably one of the more nervous ones i've had recently a straight line must be a straight line a scary thing they're either fine or they're just like, why is it? But it's a body shapes as well. Yeah. So like you could do a straight line, but it's like on a curve of a body. And yeah. so immediately you're like, now it looks... It doesn't look it straight doesn't anymore. Look straight anymore. But what is, you can't really get straight What are straight lines? Straight lines are exactly <laughs> So they're not like, yeah, they're hard to do on people. I think that's something that if somebody's getting a tattoo that's specifically got a lot of straight lines that they yeah. have to understand that oh, yeah. it might not be perfect like for, for exactly sure. that because your body is curved i mean making a mistake must be scary oh sweating you're yeah like sweating like you're like oh shit there's things you can do when there's no room for error then and you're like oh so sometimes if it's like areas if i'm like tattooing like faces of people onto things or animal faces or eyes i'm like don't breathe don't move <laughs> we're not talking until this is done okay okay yeah. <laughs> one more stereotype and then i've got a question if i yeah. remember it when it, one, this is one thing that I used to struggle with purely because I'm not very good at, uh, with confrontation of any sort, that you can't change your mind once a tattoo artist has drawn your design. So for example, right. if I turn up at a tattoo shop and I see the design for the first time uh-huh. and then I'm like, oh, that's a bit different from what I, yeah. I, I thought in my head. Yeah. I'm too much of a shite bag yeah. to be like, can you change that? Yep. Um, which is wrong, but is that something you would encourage? People- I encourage it. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can, like, I, I'll show people their design. You can see from their face or how they react mm. whether there's something off. To like, what do you want me to do? What can I do to change this? Yeah. Because this is going on your body for the rest of your life. Yeah. Even if someone, say, I've done two designs, like two complete different. We're doing two tattoos. Two separate mm-hmm. tattoos on one person, and they they loved one, but the other one they just weren't sure about, or like I hadn't quite got it right, and then mm-hmm. we're trying to redraw, we can't figure it quite out what's wrong. I'm just like, look, let's not do it. 
go yeah. away think about it decide what you want and then we can do again because I really try to encourage people I'm like I do not want to tattoo this on you until you absolutely have it that you want because I, I've been there as well where I remember I got a tattoo when I was uh, a lot younger I got it was like my third tattoo or something and it was too big for what I wanted but I didn't know I could change I didn't know yeah. I, could, I could be like actually I want that smaller uh, so I got the size and was like quite upset not upset but I was a bit like I absolutely love it being that size but at the time I was like it's too big and what have I done I also think when you don't have many tattoos and you get a tattoo it can sometimes feel huge huge oh for sure yeah <laughs> like way bigger massive, than what you thought massive, it was going to yeah. be yeah and some people want things which aren't actually realistic and you have to explain to people why they cannot get it. Yeah. Try and explain why. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, I've not, not had someone show up and then be like, this isn't working at all, leave. Mm. Um, most of the time, if I, if I can change it, then I will I will sit and figure it out. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> uh, and I will figure it out. I, I do not want to tattoo someone that they don't want. Out of curiosity, yeah. what is... What's the weirdest placement you've ever tattooed? The the weirdest I don't think I've done that weird of a placement really. No, uh, no penises. No. <laughs> no. Would you do them? No. <laughs> Hell no. I've been close to one, um, but like a kind of like a pubic kind of bone nice. kind of area. Yeah. Um, which is really, I was just like, because you don't know where to put your arms. Your arms are up in the air and you're very uncomfortable and yeah, because uh, you're having to get right right in there. Right in there, right yeah. Right in there, yeah. You don't, want your, you don't want your arm going anywhere strange, so you're... Yeah. yeah. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I could answer this as well, but what do you think is like the easiest and the hardest place to get tattooed? For me... If anybody was looking to get a tattoo yeah. first time... For me, the easiest is probably legs. Oh, really? I like tattooing a leg. Oh, I see. Get, get, arms. No. You've never tattooed, Lucy. Oh, no. For me, tattooing. <laughs> 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 Fuck you, though. What happened? Are you sorry? For to get tattooed. To get tattooed. Ah. So if somebody was wanting to get tattooed. Oh, legs. Still legs. Really? Yeah, so I think maybe I fucked myself up, right? So I started getting all my tattoos on my legs because I'm a shite bag. And still am a shite bag. Mm. Not really. And, and I've only recently started venturing onto my arms and finding placements because I've actually been wanting to do my arms for quite a long time. Yeah. But I never found the right designs that yeah. I wanted. And my arms are quite, quite wee, so it's like getting the right things that would fit. But now that I'm doing my arms... I'm like, which is actually quite short. It's actually quite nippy. Whereas my legs were quite easy, oh, I thought. That's interesting. Because for me, it's like the complete opposite. opposite I yeah. think arms is the easiest. And for me, my calves were the sorest. Oh, I thought my calves were all right. No, I, I thought it was really sore. Ah. But I don't know if it's because... I don't know how much of it's like a mental thing as well because yeah. I went in thinking that my calves wouldn't be sore. Oh, no, calves are And then was sore. like... Oh fuck! This is terrible. Yeah. I know. I mean, I said is. earlier that um, tattoos, tattooing wasn't painful. It is painful. It is painful. It's but um, it's, it's it's just a different kind of pain than yeah. being like, ah, yeah. I'm so in pain. Like, hit by a car. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's to- tolerable, tolerable, tolerable pain. pain. Yeah. But, um, but I think every artist as well has a different. Some people are heavy-handed so yeah aren't. so i think it depends also the artist that you get yeah yeah or sure. color because that's quite a trauma to the skin or yes, shading yes. that's pretty trauma 
trauma. trauma. Yeah. yeah, we don't want the trauma. Red and blue ink, right? They're well, they the could be. Ones. There's a lot of colors that could be quite hard to get in, but I think people's skin and body reacts differently to red and blue more. I believe. Yeah, people more are common more allergic one. to those two colors. I'm not entirely sure why. Must be so... I believe I've been told. But I cannot remember. <laughs> It'll be to do with like the pigments and the ink be. and stuff. We'll say pigments. We'll say we'll pigments. Say pigments. <laughs> the next part of podcast yep. is a story time. So <gasps> this is when I get my guests to pick a topic of their choice and we can discuss it for as long as we deem uh, deems discussable. Now, <laughs> I would like to first of all say... I think I've... you need to read your list. Basically, Lucy and Leo last week did the Britney Spears conspiracy and no one should have told me this because I wouldn't have thought about it but then it was the only thing I could think about afterwards and I was absolutely dead. It's all I spoke about last night how devastated I was about Britney Spears because that, <laughs> that's like my life at the moment. So I created a list, a uh, story time list. Yeah. Ghosts. Yes. Ghosts afterlife. <laughs> Death after life. What happens after life? Maybe. Oh, is that so the discussion? A deep dive. A deep dive and what do we? We think would need happens? another hour <laughs> to talk about that. Yeah, listen, just say things I like. And I thought past lives, but then also I'm like, I don't think I remember any past lives. Yeah, I, exactly. Hard what, to talk what about. What would we talk about? So I got true crime. What's the fascination I've written at the end? <laughs> I'm the fascination. I'm obsessed. And I've written some cases down that I liked, which I knew Lucy wouldn't have a clue about. And I've got Desperate Housewives, which, by the way... Which amazing. is such a, like, callback. Such a callback. But I was like, I love Desperate Housewives. How Desperate Housewives? Desperate Housewives. Desperate Housewives. Desperate Housewives. <laughs> Film, puppets, i.e. Jurassic Park, Lord of the Rings. The downfall of the industry. I lost the puppets. I'm quite... Had a big top... Had a big conversation with someone at a party about this. But I miss puppets. Bring them back. I agree, yes. I miss puppets. I agree. CGI is is bull. Jurassic Park 1. French Kiss. Yeah. My favourite. A stunning film. And then I wrote also Navigating Dyslexia, which I'm like, boring. (laughs) That's more about me. (laughs) I don't want to talk about my dyslexia. Um, And then I did Am I the Asshole Stories, which I are pretty common at the moment, but to be fair... Yes, so the decision that Kitty came to was we'll do some Am I the Asshole Stories. But I haven't read them. So so it's it's a a surprise for both of us. So I've just took the ones with the... Um, the highest from Reddit, right? From Red- I went on to Reddit. Okay, so it's a decent size one. Am I asshole for telling my stepsister no one cared about her wedding after she wouldn't stop comparing it to mine? Hmm. I, 23 female, have a stepsister, Maggie, 27 female, whose mother, Miranda, is married to my dad. I grew up mainly with my mother and stepfather, so didn't see Miranda or Maggie that often. Also, Maggie and Miranda have a massive chip on their shoulder about my dad's extended family, so they stopped coming to most group things, and I spent a lot of time staying with my grandparents during the holidays, so I saw them even less. For various reasons, most of my dad's family has coverage on the same area in the last couple of years, so we see each other more often. Maggie got married last year, and I'm getting married this summer. The weddings are not close together, and not compared... and not comparable in terms of venue, size, authentic, literally anything. But that hasn't stopped Maggie comparing them increasingly. Incessantly, sorry. 
<laughs> She's annoyed that my dad offered to pay for mine. I refused, but didn't for hers. She's mad that I'm wearing heirloom jewellery for my wedding that she wasn't offered. She's mad that extended family will be attending my wedding when they didn't attend hers. She has gone so far as to say that she should have married my fiancé since she's close in age to him and she believes my marriage was arranged. It seemed to boil down to that she didn't get the wedding she wanted uh, gratis. What the fuck does that mean? She wanted gratis and she's still bitter about it. What does that mean? She wanted gratis. I'm not sure. It says it. (laughs) About a week ago, the family grandparents, dad, Miranda, Maggie, husband, aunt, cousin and wife, me fiancé, had dinner. The subject of the family member came up in the accommodation for the wedding and Maggie chimed in to say how nice it was that they were able to make, make it to mine because they were too busy to come to hers. No one acknowledged what she said, so she started to talk about the excuse they'd given at a stupidly loud volume so that everyone was listening. I'm not a confrontational person, but a mix of wine and exhaustion took over and I said, no one cared about your wedding a year ago and they're not going to start today, so please just spare us. (laughs) There was an awkward silence until everyone moved on, but Maggie started crying and quietly left the table and eventually went home. My dad says she is too humiliated to talk to anyone and probably won't come to our wedding. My dad is pressuring me to apologise because Miranda is giving him a hard time, as is Maggie. He says, I knew how much it hurt Maggie that a lot of our family uh, family pomp, don't know why is, pomp was not part of the wedding. And while she has taken it too far, I went to the, for the jugular and I didn't need to because she wasn't being dis- despairing to me. She, has, she was just inappropriately expressing bottled up feelings. To me, it felt like she was using an important life event to draw attention to herself, which felt unfair and mean-spirited, which is why I reacted I did. That said, it seems like she's not brushing off my comments as easily as I did hers, so I'm wondering if I took it too far. Hmm. I think that's quite a mixed bag of arseholes. It was like maybe one too many things and the girl was like it was just too much for her to well, handle I, I understand the outburst because it must that must be incredibly frustrating having your sister constantly compare mm-hmm. her wedding and say that yours is better the husband thing was weird that was weird that's that definitely yeah weird. that's strange because uh, they're closer in age and that's it very like I should marry Cam because I'm closer <laughs> in age it's like very inappropriate <laughs> I feel like they both just need to sit down and be like, girl, what the hell is yeah, going on? Yeah, it sounds on? like they just need to have a little conversation. This is like some sister head-to-head petty. Yeah. Weddings in general are just fucking wild. It's bring out the worst in everyone. Yeah, it does have that ability and especially, I imagine, with siblings because there is that kind of competitiveness. If, you're, exactly. if your sisters were, like if two sisters were getting married that close together. Yeah. But... I think they're both arseholes. I would say they're both <laughs> But I think too. they're arseholes because they're both in their feelings and yeah. uh, they need to sit and have a conversation with each other yeah. about it. Go and sit down, girls. Have a chat. <laughs> Hash this out. You're 23, 27. Yeah. They're very... They're, they're young, ladies. 27's not young to nah, get married. 23 is quite young. 23 is quite young. 23 is quite young. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Final question is, do you have any advice to anyone who would maybe want a career in tattooing. Any advice? So you've yes. given out lots of advice, but any kind I of have. overall advice. 
Overall, I think definitely strong portfolio. Yeah. Be confident in your work and be confident in going to studios because it can be intimidating, but it's one of those things like if you know you want to do it, then this is what you have to do. Mm. Definitely don't start tattooing in the house. For the love of God, (laughs) don't start tattooing in the house. And if you have already started tattooing in the house, stop yeah <laughs> stop Just pick up it, yeah it picks up bad habits and if you go into a studio and be like oh i've already done this many tattoos i've already done this that people are going to immediately just be like nope right so off yeah don't tell them <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't, tell them. Don't, don't start tattooing in the house learn where you're meant to learn in a studio and mm. um, and start doing your apprenticeship if you realize it's not for you then it's not for you but definitely make sure you know what you want to do because it's a big commitment and it's also a big shift in your it's a big shift in your life that like you yeah. make a lot of what's the word sacrifices yes that's that is the word per <laughs> <laughs> sacrifices per yeah, sacrifices but yeah it, it, it is a very beneficial I would highly recommend it. it's a very fun job I very much enjoy it and I'm sure other people would just yeah. go just go persistent yeah be persistent be persistent okay thank you so much for joining You're me so on don't panic yeah uh, and i'm gonna put a link to kitty's profiles and yeah. um information in the description so if anybody would like to give her a little follow yeah. to be fair if anyone wants any advice or if anyone wants me to look at their portfolio, I can probably do that too. Yeah. I'm a professional. And, <laughs> and you can be found in maybe somewhere near Wales in the, <laughs> at the end of the year. Shrewsbury. <laughs> Might be said wrong. <laughs> and, and yeah, apart from that, you're at Brass Buddha. Brass Buddha Tattoos, Trinette, baby. Come find us. Yeah. Give them all a follow. And thank you so much. Thanks, Lou. Bye. 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 thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the don't panic podcast if you enjoyed it please don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button so that you never miss an episode also be sure to check out the description for quick links to connect with our amazing guests show them some love give them a follow and explore their work Once again, thank you so much. Your support means the world. And until next week, don't panic. We'll see you again.